stay flat. Because okay. I knew that one day I was going to die and I had to be okay with it. The day I became okay with death was the day I found strength to just go ahead and stay and deal with it. Because I felt like that's what I deserved. So I, I give it to, wow. I, I, I always give it to myself all the time. My kids, I always tell them they're my lifeline. The death of my mother and my two kids are my lifeline. And that's why y'all have a queen thing now. listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Ernie Thomas here on the Bold School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Varner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. Peace and prosperity. Hey, beloved. How beloved. How's everybody doing tonight? It's your man, Psycho Varner. Power broker. And I'm back with another excellent episode of the Fly Guy Show, also known as On Code. And we're staying on code tonight. We're getting on code tonight. We're working on remaining on code tonight. Tonight is a strong sisterhood episode. We have some of the strongest sisters I know who are going to share with us how other sisters can get through some difficult times. We realize there's some challenging things that sisters have to navigate. And if I could snap my finger or pray it away or, you know, pour lotion and get it all away, I would do it in a heartbeat. But I have not been able to do that. Uh, but there are some strategies, there are some ways, there's some love, peace and love. What's up, big wisdom? All right, Yamika Mullen, peace to everybody. We want to get rid of these things in our community, in our world. But until we can get rid of it, we need to know how to handle it. So today I have with me some great sisters who want to do just that. So I want to bring on our panel for tonight. I want to bring on our panel for tonight. We're going to start with the great Queen Phoenix. What's up, girl? How you doing? Ashe, Ashe. Glad to be here. <laughs> Ashe, Ashe. And we have Sister Valerie in the house. What's good, sister? How you doing? Honored to be here as well. Thank you for having me. Ashe, Ashe. So look, if you look up on the screen, you see there's six ways to conquer your fear. And we know there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of degradation. There's a lot of abuse that our sisters are going through. So before we go into all of the abuse and the, those stories and the things that are going to really kind of curdle our stomachs, I want to say that this book that you have, Queen Phoenix, Six Ways to Conquer Your Fear, is kind of like a blueprint. What's it a blueprint for? It's actually a blueprint to actually show people steps that they can take while they're in the middle of their challenge. You know, a lot of times we do see a lot of books that uh, people who have overcame or more than conquerors uh, have been through. And they talk a lot about their adversity, but they don't tell you the steps that they took to go through it. So when I was thinking about writing this book, I wanted something because, yes, women go through a lot and women have seen a lot in their life. But I wanted something that after you read it, instead of you feeling more worse than what you did before you read it, but this would be something that would be inspirational, uplifting, but also tools to help you get through it. So in this book, it's actually sharing a lot about my story, my challenges, my adversity that I had experienced in life, my biggest fears and things that I used 
to help me get through it. You know, times you don't have the support, you don't have a person that you can run to to talk to. So it was just things that I needed to find within to help me weather the storm. So when you read this book, it actually tells you certain things that you can use while you're in the midst of the storm, while you're in the midst of the abuse and things that you're going through, things that you can say to yourself, um, powerful affirmations that you can tell yourself to lift yourself back up. Because that's one of the things that I tell people. We all have a fire burning inside of us. But when we go through adversity, what that is, is ashes being thrown on top of our fire to put our light out. And what this book is, is to show people how to unite that fire back within so they can burn up the ashes and be able to rise back up and be the phoenix that God calls them to be. So that's what the main focus is in that book. Ashe, and we have memoirs of a karmic dynasty who's joined us. Peace, sister. How are you doing tonight? Peace, everyone. I'm well. How's everyone today? Doing great. Okay. Good. Well, look, we started off with the book, which is kind of like the solution, the not solution, but the strategy, the blueprint. And I wanted to make sure we started off with that so we gave it the time and the honor that it deserves. But why is a book like this necessary and QP you're kind of running the show tonight Queen Phoenix why is a book like this necessary what are some things that you or you've helped some sisters go through well a book like this is so important because a lot of times sisters are faced with us being put against each other we're faced with the I'll say how they portray a perfect woman when it comes down to the men, you know, she has to have this shape, this size. But what if I'm not that shape? What if I'm not that size? Those are things that as a woman, we go through, we experience. And so we have certain insecurities that's inside and we don't have anyone that's there to actually feed into us. I was talking to uh, King Phoenix, which was my husband one time. And I said, what is it about men when they find someone that they really like the first thing they do is instead of lifting her up, they put her down. And he had said that what little boys are taught, so they won't be uh, scared to approach a pretty girl, that when you see a pretty girl, instead of complimenting her, say something negative, it'll bring down her guard. So now you'll be able to have the ability to now talk to her. And so I said, huh? But these are things that we're faced with growing up. And as a woman, we don't know. But I remember growing up having little boys pull my hair or saying, oh, you're skinny or oh, you this. And I'm like, OK, but later on, that's the same little boy that likes me. But these are things that we as women go through and we don't have anyone to lift us up. So that's why it's so important. And in my book, I have affirmations that you that I tell them to every morning when you get up. You should say to yourself that I had to start saying to myself to build back up my confidence, to build back up my beauty inside. And a lot of them is I'm strong. I am worthy. I am beautiful. I am I am imperfect. So these are things that I had to start telling myself to build myself back up. But I want to really, because it's amazing that as I've been out here and meeting new people, as I just met Joy, it's just so amazing how me and her got a chance to talk and to realize that she experienced some of the same things that I experienced. And then Miss Valerie, she's another person I just met. And sometimes as women, we need people that we can go and talk to. 
And I know sometimes that we feel like, hey, I don't want to talk to a therapist because, oh my God, that means I'm crazy. But I'm here to tell you guys and be transparent that actually Valerie on this line is a licensed therapist. Uh, she's also a social worker, but the biggest thing, she's my therapist. She's someone that I can go to, that I can trust, that I can talk to that would then fill me back up. And it's not to say that I'm crazy, but I always tell people I am crazy because when you go through an abusive relationship, you lose some of your marbles, right? <laughs> and you don't always get them back. So what I want to do at this time is give Joy an opportunity to say a little bit of how we related when we talked on the phone and how we had so much in common. And then I'm going to let Valerie share about our connection. So Joy, so Joy, so Joy. Yes. Um, thanks, Sister Nikea. Um, so when we talked, actually what I shared was how I was also um, in a domestic violence relationship. And I actually was in two um, with my two previous husbands, my ex-spouses. So um, what I would like to share um, also is what I think was the caught was some background on how I got into those relationships um, so that it may help others because I think sometimes like with my own case I did not know I did not realize I was in an abusive relationship I grew up um, as a tomboy I had tomboy status so I grew up fighting boys I didn't I was isolated um, my mom had me sheltered uh, due to um, issues on both sides of my family actually so when I was growing up, I had boy cousins who lived on the street with me and they were the ones who I was able to play with. So their friends would come over because I couldn't leave the yard. So in that, I grew up learning boys more than I knew girls. And I grew up playing with them, of course. And, you know, sometimes as you, when you develop, they want to start touching parts you got. So I was used to fighting and my cousins helping them get boys off of me. So when I was actually married the first time, and it's something that I got away from, but I later realized during my second marriage, and that's when I started to heal myself and learn myself and develop myself and become who I am today, which is a woman who will not tolerate the actions, the traits and characteristics which led to those incidents in that relationship that I actually accepted not knowing it. So one thing that happened was when my husband, either one of them, which would come at me, attack me, I just went into the mode I was in as a girl and I just would fight them back. To me, it wasn't no thing. It was just what I did. It's what I did. So um, I didn't realize I was in an abusive relationship. I just was doing what I knew to do. So I knew women who were in those situations and they had the black eyes and the broken ribs and different incidents that happened to them. And I'm trying to encourage them. I'm working, doing my best to help them out and refer them to shelters and different resources in our community that could assist them. Not knowing the entire time I was talking to myself as well. I needed that same type of assistance. I just was not aware of it. So during my first marriage, a, a eye-opening experience for me was after one of the fights with my first husband, our oldest daughter, at the time she was four, 
And she came into the room. She was, they were, her and her sister was just two of them at the time. They were in their bedroom. And my oldest daughter came out and she's four. And her sister came, tied them behind her. She was two. And she looked at me. I was sitting on the couch, you know, calming down, heaving, sweating a little bit. And she was like, Mom, you okay? I said, Yeah, I'm fine. She said, You're going to be all right. And I looked at her. I was like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm already all right. So, that moment that I spent with her, I was like, wow, why is she concerned about me? I'm fine. So it made me look at what was I showing her that I didn't realize I was showing her and her sister that would make her be concerned for me. And then that's when I took some time and removed myself from the situation. I looked a little bit deeper and closer at what was going on in the household. And then I started making moves and I left the house and I left the relationship and not being fully healed and fully more knowing myself I went into my next relationship with some of those same things that I was not aware of and went through that so I'm out of it now and everything's well right now we're fine I'm fine my children fine everybody's good (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's so awesome and that's what we're looking at is to really stop this from happening because I know that it took me a while to leave 10 years in mine and I just really thought that staying was the answer and sometimes most of the time women do feel like staying is the answer but my honestly wake up calls when my mother passed away and she came to visit me and asked me was I ready to go with her and I'm like what are you talking about and her spirit told me that if you stay in here two more months you're gonna die and I th- and she said you need to think about your kids and I left because of my kids because I wanted to make sure that they were safer but getting that fire is a hard thing to get and to and to pick yourself back up But one of the things we want to say is that we're here and the reason why that we're saying this and have this platform is we want to let you guys know that Phoenix Rise movement is something that we definitely believe in. But one of the passions that we have for that is that we want to give you the counseling that you need to be able not only once you get strong enough to leave, but you're now free from the jail of your mind to not get into the same situation again. As you heard with Joy's story, she brought some of those same attributes to a new relationship. And what we want to do is prevent those cycles from happening. And what we do with Phoenix Rise Rise, uh, movement is that you're able to reach out to someone who's been where you've been, who knows how you feel. And even if you're not ready to leave, We're just here to let you know that it's a group of women out here that's not judging you, that supports you, and gonna feed life into you. Because there's so many people that's putting you down, but we're here to uplift you, to give you the strength to lead. And that's why we have Valerie up here, because she's one of our biggest supporters on the Phoenix Rides uh, movement. That she's also a counselor. She's a she's a therapist and social worker. She's my dear friend. She's still helping me get through some of the things that I wasn't even aware of. Joy, I thought I was healed from a lot of my stuff, and she's showing me new stuff that I had kind of locked up in a closet. So it's always good that even when you get out. It's still some other growing and things that you can do to even become better. So I'm going to gear the floor to Valerie at this time, my dear friend who's still helping me through a lot and giving me even more strength to keep the Phoenix, to keep the flames of Phoenix flamed. 
So, Valerie? Yes. So, I guess it would be safe to start off by sharing. Again, thank you humbly for the disclaimer and allowing uh, this platform to be an avenue and a conduit for others to come up, you know, upon so they can have the freedom to hear the real stories behind the stories. And as a therapist, I want to share with our culture, it's so taboo, as Nakia has shared, that when you see a therapist, it's taboo that, oh, you're crazy or something's wrong with you. That's not the case. I like to think of it as a an angel that God sent your way, that one that you prayed for, the one that while you were in the storms, that you couldn't figure it out what was next. Well, that what's next would be a therapist to help you to drive the, the healing boat. And in doing so, there's so many resources that we have knowledge of. We help you on your journey in so many capacities, not just mentally, physically, spiritually, depending on your walk and socially, schools, your children. We help figure it out because we understand right now you're unglued at the seams and you got a lot going on that you've been through and went through and it takes the village. So I have that concept with our culture. We've heard it so many times with our forefathers and our generational legendary family makers that have done wondrous. But I want, if anything I want to leave as far as a nugget and a memory is that we learn by observation. Our culture, we have been taught that do as I say and not as I do. That is so misleading and misguiding. So whenever someone is in a situation, your children are watching you and they're mimicking, they're gonna mimic your behavior. So when you sit back one day and you're healed or you've gotten better, you're gonna look and wonder why your, your son or your daughter is doing the things they're doing, but you have to remember they watched you and that's a form of love. So in their eyes, that's how I show up my love. This is how I display my love. This is how, you know, I was taught to love. And so it becomes a generational curse in, in essence. But what I love about the healing journey is when you become vulnerable. When you've had enough, one thing about domestic violence victims, I worked in a grassroots organization. I had the privilege is the rhetoric or the saying is they will return. Well, I had one client that I had the honor of working with. And the reason I found in research and based on conversations with women in the shelter or women is that the reason they return is for financial. They don't, they can't do it on their own. So that being shared, there's school they can go to, there's scholarships for them. There's a house that they eventually can go to that we keep on the back burner that, that we don't share if you stick with the program. But it's not an easy feat because you have your children, you're all in this shelter together with other strangers, you're in a vulnerable place. And what I suggested at the domestic violence shelter I was volunteering at was that why don't you bring a therapist in? Because I started doing groups and I found it to be very effective for the women. I too feel that what makes a therapist successful with their clients is that they too have had some kind of experience, which makes us more tangible, realistic, and we can understand from where they come from. So like Nakia, I've shared some nuggets of my experience and that I feel built the trust and the rapport that is required in order to be successful in the healing journey of that process. So again, my whole cuspice 
as far as being here on this platform is to encourage our culture, to encourage our race. You're not alone. And seeing a therapist, someone such as myself, doesn't mean you're crazy. It just means who can I trust? Who can I talk to? And dump it all out and know that it's safeguarded with us. Not even a court of law can subpoena my records. And the only reason I would have to indulge any information you share with me is if you talk about harming yourself or others, then I'm required by law to report it. Other than that, everything you you share is between you and I. I I tell you, I tell you, I I hear these stories and I had a conversation with my mother. Uh, My father passed away almost 11 years ago and we were going down memory lane and she went back to her high school graduation as we were looking at my son getting ready to graduate from high school just two years ago. And she shared how she was beaten unconscious by an ex-boyfriend that she had um, during that high school time period, you know, and how while everyone else was at graduation, she was unconscious. Uh, I I never knew anything about it. Um, And it it just kind of really tore me up. I was glad to find out that... uh, my aunt and my grandmother took care of the situation the way our family takes care of situations um, and I was actually unfortunately kind of pleased that he passed away early um, and my father used to tell me that there was something that happened to your mother he said something happened to your, my wife your mother uh, that's really impacted everything about her and I was so glad that um, I got a chance to understand that and so I handled my things myself differently around your mother and I never really understood what he was talking about and so you know now he's passed away and she shares that story and so and then I start talking to my aunt and my aunt was in an abusive relationship my cousin was in an abusive relationship I started learning stories about my grandmother and how she was abusive to my grandfather and so I'm like wow she was in an abusive relationship there seems to be so much abuse in our community Uh, is this really the norm yes it's really the norm and and a lot of times I always tell people that they almost look at it as it's just women no it's not just women it's men and women being abused I know it's most of the time women that speaks up but it's men good men that has a woman so we're not here to say all just girl power but it is men a good man that has a woman that's either emotionally mentally and physically abusive to him and is trying to figure out a way out how do i go through this i i've been taught not to put my hands on a woman but now she's pushing me she's telling me to do that yes you do have women that do that i have four boys and i and because of my background i taught all four of my boys walk away i don't care What she does, I don't care how far she tries to push you. The best answer is to walk away. Because you do have women out there that are going to try to push your buttons. But the answer to it is to walk away. I always tell people I'm working on some other statistics now. And I have a nickname for these people called NumNuck. One, they make their victims numb. And then knuck because they go knuck upside your head. So it's, it's ways out here in science that you can de- actually pinpoint whether this person is going to be abusive mentally or abusive physically based by, one, their level of control. A person who has the potential of being a numb nut, whether it's male or female, 
you can tell that by one, their level of control. They have to control everything. One of the things, nothing is never their fault. Every time you something happens, they got an excuse or a reason. Well, it's because this person did that or because the wet, it was raining outside. That's why I had to slap you. <laughs> they always have an excuse for everything. Nothing is their fault. And these are just some small signs and symptoms that you can pick up on that I even taught my daughter and I taught my boys to look for. When you got a person that's quickly able to put you down, call you out of your name, those are signs and symptoms of them trying to now take away your strength to let you feel bad about yourself. So I taught my kids that what someone say out their mouth, they own it. That's not for you. That's how they feel about themselves. And they're trying to push that out on you. So you can take on that identity, but you don't have to. The question, the thing is, you have to take it. So it is a choice. It's just like when someone offends you, it's your choice to take offense. So these are all the things that we're going to be teaching with the Phoenix Rise uh, Foundation. We're going to be there with the counseling. We're also going to be there to talk to family and friends. If you feel like that you have someone that is going through this and you want to know how can I support them? What are some things I can say? We're there to teach you how to be a support, not to be their judge and juror, but how to support them on the back end until they are ready to leave. It's certain things you have to do because if you do it wrong, you can trigger something in their abuser and you can actually kill your love person, the one you love the most. That person can feel like, okay, you're trying to pull my security blanket away. And that's how you get a person who kills their, the, the wife, the, the male, and then turn the gun on the kids. This is why we have those. It's because we don't have the people that can give the proper support. So we show you how to do all of that. Uh, all right, sis. Woo, Queen Phoenix. Queen Phoenix. We have one of our uh, one of our beloved master students, one of our beloved fly folk, who says, I had a woman that used to get violent with me, and she asked me why I didn't hit her. It, it, does this happen with people who've been in abusive relationships? Yes. Yes, they feel like they're not worthy. They feel like that that's what's supposed to happen because that's the cycle. Either it happened to them when they was a child. People think domestic violence is only when you are adult. No, child abuse is a form of domestic violence. Domestic violence just means that, hey, it's something violent that's happening between people in a relationship that's, that's uh, related to each other. But that happens all the time and it gets like the uh, like Valerie was saying they start thinking that's the way of love and when you don't hit them they feel like you don't love me because that's what they correlate to being love Valerie you want to speak on that a little bit more yes so what happens there it becomes again observational learning like you shared sir you know it's generational um so if you grow up in a house and you see mom being hit on, you don't realize and recognize what's going on. You just hear her crying, but then you see her stand with your father or the man. So in your mind, that's love. You don't know that your brain, you're too young to realize that, but your brain is teaching you that's a form of love. So then when you become of age and you start dating or you like a girl, 99.99% you're gonna hit her and thinking that's love and she's gonna ask why did you hit me because you're not gonna tell her because you love her it's because you did you felt like it whatever the case may be but that's what you learned again 
Learning is observational more than instructional when you're young and during those stages of development from zero to five. And I say all the way up to seven. Everything you do, they're watching you, they're mimicking your behavior, and it will come to fruition where they become a mini you. So when people say, oh, that's my mini me, and I hear it as a counselor or a therapist, I'd be like, okay. I learn in therapy, I, I specialize in children with the parents. I don't do therapy with, with children without their parents. And I say this as an, a prime example, because when I get to talk to the parents, when they're saying those children have oppositional situations, they don't want to pay attention, follow the rules. What they're telling me is what the parents are or they're fighting their siblings. What I know is there's domestic violence going on in the home. Everything the parent is telling me about that child, I can pretty much paint the picture of the mother and what's going on in her house. So again, it's observational. Unfortunately, it, it's just the, the biological chemical makeup of who we are. We learn by observing. So it would be safe to say we have to be careful what we do in front of our children and exemplifying this is a form of love because it's not. Sister Joy Allen, Memoirs of a Karmic Dynasty. That just kind of spoke to a part of your narrative. You mentioned that you realized that your daughters were learning from watching you. What do you think they learned? I think they learned um, to accept, to tolerate um, being mistreated. I think they may have learned to accept being unhappy. I think they learned to accept negatives in their lives. And I worked with them and we had counseling um, and to counteract and get rid of the things that they may have picked up. So I'm not sure, I cannot say what they picked up and learned, but I did my best to get rid of and or replace those things with better, bigger, and more positive things. And I definitely focused more on them as individuals during this time as well and put a lot of focus into them. And one thing I did realize at the time I spent fighting and or defending myself, I was not taking care of them and I was not focused on their well-being. So I did my best to replace the time that I did not spend with them that I was using to take care of myself, defend myself, which is a situation I put myself in. So I take full responsibility for that. And at the same time, I put them in that situation as well each time. So as a mother, I did my best to, to, um, to make it better. You know, you said you took full responsibility uh, yeah. for being in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. Is that healthy? You know, Queen Phoenix, is that healthy? Yes, that is very healthy. That's one part of your healing process. If you look at it that, hey, you didn't have no part in it whatsoever, it's going to be hard for you to start your healing. I'm a firm believer. I tell anyone. Yes, <laughs> my ex-husband was my abuser. I still love him. And, my, and people are like, what do you mean you love him? I love him. I forgive him because you know what? I look at him because of him is why I am the woman I am today. 
Okay, he taught me how to smell bull crap a mile away. And if it wasn't for him, I probably would still be naive and still thinking that everything is, is peaches and cream. And you know how they teach us when those those fairy tale stories and I'm still waiting for my knight and shiny army to come scoop me away. Well, that's what he was to me. He was my high school sweetheart. You know, I took those fairy tale, those uh, fairy tale stories as true. And I was looking for someone to come and rescue me. And he did. He came in. But that that person that he started out with, which was so loving and gentle and, oh, I'm here and I'm your protector and I'm going to do this, ended up turning into my worst nightmare. But I have to say the responsibility I take is that I allowed it, is that part of me said it was okay for you to treat me this way. Part of me said it was okay for you to go oops upside my head and disrespect me and call me out of my name. And that part of me was the part of me who did not love myself anymore and who didn't respect myself anymore, who allowed the fire inside of me to go out and tell myself that this is what I deserve. This is what you caused. And we have to break that, ladies. We have to look deep down inside and realize how beautiful we are. And the day that I realized how beautiful I was on the inside was the day that I told him enough was enough. And yeah, it became Ike and Tina Turner up in there. Unlike Joy, I didn't start off as a fighter. I was a person that felt like everybody's supposed to cuddle and love. So I didn't start off as a fighter. So when he yelled at me, I was one of them females that buckled. When he called me out of my name, I just kind of submitted because I grew up in a family that as a female, your job as the wife is to submit to your husband. So it's like, he's right. And hey, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I found myself caught up emotionally, you know, with him. And that's what people don't realize when we get into this, it doesn't start off with them hitting us upside the head. It doesn't start off with them, you know, belittling us. It starts off nice and sweet until they get us emotionally attached to them. Once we're emotionally attached, then that's when it switched. Because I didn't realize it, that the day that me and him got married, he made a comment to me that I blew off that he said, look, I don't have to love you the way I did when we was dating because you're now my property. I'm naive. I'm thinking, oh, that's me. He really, really loved me. And I laughed it off like he did. And I didn't realize that he was just crazy. But that should have been a red flag that we don't know about. And we just keep going. But now I take full responsibility. I shouldn't allow it. When I heard that, when certain things that happened, I should have stood up and said, you know what? I'm not going to allow this. But you're weak. You're vulnerable. You don't know. So you find yourself in it. And I stayed in mine for 10 years. And I tell anyone, you can tell where I was in my relationship with my with my ex-husband based by looking at my kids. My kids is a prime example. When I was vulnerable, kind of very reserved and just let him do whatever, that's how my son is. He was very vulnerable. He ended up letting a girl hit on him and I had to tell him his relationship was toxic. But my daughter, she came during the time that I was reborn and my alter ego came out with is Shay. And Shay was going to tear some stuff up. So now I have a daughter. That's how she is. She going to tear some stuff up. She doesn't allow certain things. But yeah, they do pick a lot up from their parents. And they do see that. And I realized that me staying really hurt my son. And when my daughter came along and my ex-husband made a statement about my daughter, I said, I'd be dang if my daughter goes through the stuff I went through. That That's, that's not going to happen. And because of my kids is why I left. But me as an individual, how I felt, if I didn't have kids, 
to be honest with you, Seiko, I would have been okay dying in that relationship because that's how I felt that that's the only way I would have got peace is for my ex-husband to kill me. But the only reason why I'm alive today is because of my two kids. And I tell anyone that that's the only reason why I left my ex-husband was because of my kids. But for me, what helped me get through it is becoming peace or or beginning peace of mind with dying. Because I knew that one day I was going to die and I had to be okay with it. The day I became okay with death was the day I found strength to just go ahead and stay and deal with it. Because I felt like that's what I deserved. So I, I give it to, wow. I, I, I always give it to myself all the time. My kids, I always tell them they're my lifeline. The death of my mother and my two kids are my lifeline. And that's why y'all have a queen phoenix now. That's why I can rise from the ashes. Because nothing, I can stare anything in the face and say, hey, let's take it on and let's deal with it. But that strength was inside. And I'm here to tell every woman, you got to find that strength with inside. And that's why we're doing the Phoenix Rise movement. Because ladies, men, all of us have to come together and say enough is enough. And like you, if you see it, Seiko, he put it up there. We're looking for anyone who want to give donations because this is a huge movement that we're doing that's going to go statewide. To have my girl down in Indiana, Joy, who's telling me what she can help me with, we can explode this thing to really show people that it's people here to help you catch on fire. We got to flame up and we got to pull that fire from inside and tell people, hey, we ain't taking these ashes no more. Don't dump here. Take your trash somewhere else because I'm better than this. And that's what we're here to do with the Phoenix Rise Foundation. So send your donations to help us get this movement going, get it pushed through. We have counselors that's here to help us with Valerie. And we're going to have a whole lot of other counselors that's going to be there to help you through to say you're not in it by yourself. You too can be a Phoenix. Rise, flame up. Speaking of flaming up, uh, Sister Renita she left a message saying that you know she left her ex-husband early but her daughters went through similar things and it took a while to restore their minds and bodies uh sister valerie how can we help our children our cousins our family our co-workers our sister friends or whatever because some of them are going through it. And she said it took a while to restore their minds and bodies. When you're dealing with the counseling, how do you restore both the mind and the body? Because it sounds to me like this abuse impacted them not only just mentally, not only spiritually, but also physically. It absolutely is. Uh, Miss Renita is correct. Um, in doing so, I always tell the victim to trust the process. It's a process. I can't put a timeline on it. No one can put a timeline on how long that journey will be for the children that have been victims as well. Because observational is seeing your mother being beat on, seeing that you're little and this adult is huge. They look like a giant or to them that they process that I can't beat him up. So the children actually start thinking actually worse than the mother. Like, how can I kill him? So the the mother doesn't even realize she's in a situation where the children are trying to figure out how can we rid mom of this pain when they realize this isn't healthy. If some of them realize that and some of them do, 
So what ends up happening is that as time goes on, if left untreated without counseling and this child goes on in life, it's called what in our field triggers. If she meets a young man and any reminders thereof of her mother or the abuser's uh, behaviors, they're still in her. They're still in the children. And if this new boyfriend just accidentally is playing and shoves her or pushes her, it can trigger something that has been compartmentalized. And it can be an explosion of a what I call a reactive effect, possibly landing her up in jail or him. So again, we, we need to be more proactive once the mom comes out or the man comes up out of the situation you know, I know again, once again, I'm so glad that Nakia has this platform where they're making it known nationally, statewide, so we can help others. It, again, it takes the village. You take these services, you wrap them around, you take the knowledge and the platforms that Nakia is presenting and you embrace it because there's not, matter of fact, in the state of Virginia, there's only two domestic violence entities. They can't help everyone. And so the the, na- the need is greater than the resource that are already available. So I, I commend you, Nakia. I tip my hat to you. And of course, I'm your cheerleader and I'm on your team. Appreciate All right, it. I want to... Ashe, Ashe, I want to say that this is Seiko Vrana with On Code, the Fly Guys show. We have Queen Phoenix. We have Memoirs of a Comic Dynasty. We have Sister Valerie. And we're also on Our Black Improvement, which is a YouTube channel, Our Black Improvement on Facebook and on YouTube. And we're honored also to be on Crumb TV. I want to salute and thank Crumb for allowing us to be on the Crumb TV platform as well. This is the home, the Fly Guy Show is the home of conscious, melanated conversations to improve our situation. And we invite you to join us. Uh, We invite you to support the Phoenix Rise Movement. They're doing some great things. You can find them on Facebook. And I know uh, Sister Renita said, hey, where can I find you on Facebook, sis? And um, I think I popped it up there. And that's Nakia Queen Phoenix. And I know you're working on some other things, some other platforms where people can find you. But we want to make sure all the sisters, especially all the sisters, the foundation, Hey 19, we want to make sure that all the sisters have the opportunity to rise, to flame on. You know, it's kind of when I hear flame on, I think of Johnny Blaze first. But when I think of an extreme flame on, I think of a fiery phoenix. And uh, Queen Phoenix, you're on fire. Your movement is on fire. We need to improve the situation. You know, there's abuse in the church. There's abuse in the mosque. There's abuse in the conscious community. There's abuse in the Democrat Party, in the Republican Party, in the Libertarian Party, in the Independent Party. There's abuse in the schoolhouse. There's abuse in the families. There's abuse everywhere. And so, you know, abuse seems to go everywhere, but it looks like there are some solutions and some solutions and some solutions. I'm saying this word over and over and over because I want us to understand that there are solutions. Uh, Queen Phoenix, your book is sort of a solution. Um, Take a quick moment and talk about your book. Yes. 
Now, six ways to conquer your fear. Again, it's actually going to give you some powerful quotes. It's inspirational quotes in there because what we want to touch people through this book is that we want to touch people mentally, spiritually, and so they can now see the strength that they have inside. Because I always tell people that that fire that's inside is actually the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is burning inside that gives you your burning desire, your dreams, your goals, all these things that you once was thinking about when you were little. That book lets you bring that back again. It helps you start dreaming again. It helps you remember the strength that you have with inside. And a good it's a good 20-minute read. I had some so many people purchase the book. And who have given me a lot of feedback on it. It's a quick 20 minute read. I have one lady who reads it every single morning. She says it's a good thing to jump start her day when she's feeling down or feeling depressed. And she just takes a quick 20 minutes, read that book, and she feels inspired. I also had some gentlemen that have read my book and gave me feedback on how it actually lit them up. Because they didn't realize some of the things that women have experienced that caused them to do what you did, Seiko. They went back and asked their mom and asked some of their aunts and cousins and realized that some of them had actually went through abusive relationships. And that's why they became the strong woman they are. Or that's why that there was a little bit more harder on the boys when they were coming up and they didn't realize or understand it. But a lot of those things stem from the abuse that they have experienced. Some moms, after coming out of abuse, don't know how to hug their boys because of the things that they have experienced. And sometimes they don't understand it. So in this book, it helps you now bring all that together. So it's for men and women. Don't just think it's for for women. It's for men and women. Please read it. Please get it. You can go to Amazon.com and you can order it and the shipment will come right out to you. Also, please support Phoenix Rise Movement. You can give donations on on uh, the uh, Cash App, which I think Seiko has put up there, Cash App Phoenix Rise 7. We want to make sure that we get this spread out. We just want to help. If you're ready to leave, we're here to help. If you're not ready to leave, we're also here to help to give you the strength on what you need to do to leave. So please reach out to us. You can send me a personal email at queenphoenix 757 at gmail you can reach out to me as instant messenger uh, facebook any questions you have anything that you want to know you can reach out to miss joy if you're out in indiana she has different things to give people support on where they can go to get help so joy if you want to talk about that a little bit more i know we talked about it on the phone but if you can let people know how to get in contact with you out in your area yes so i can be contacted on facebook at joy allen J-O-Y-A-L-L-E-N or you can email me at mkdtnt at gmail.com um, that's, about, that's my contact information for now to share with everyone well Sister Joy I know you're doing some great things you're hanging out, you're spending time you're flaming up with Queen Phoenix you're, you're years away you're years away from that abusive relationship. If you could go back, mm-hmm. if you could go back and talk to yourself, what things would you tell yourself to look for so that you wouldn't have gone through those two abusive relationships? I would tell myself to look for um, 
the, the teachings of my mother more closer and to not be so rebellious and um, to know that I have a lot of time before me, well, ahead of me to learn things. I have a lot of time left to experience myself as well. And I would first have given myself more time to develop who I was and not be so quick to think that I needed to be in a relationship of the marriage status at that time. I would have told myself to develop on, I mean, um, to focus on my career, which at the time I was in the military. And because of that, um, the, the circumstances of that, that relationship, I actually was, um, that was part of my discharge from the military among some other things. So I would just tell myself to focus on myself, to develop who I am. And then at another time, I would be developed enough and well within myself to know for sure who my marriage partner should have been. How does consciousness fall into all of this? You know, some of us are into a particular religious belief. Some of us are into consciousness. And I know that Queen Phoenix used the term Holy Spirit. Uh, some of us might use the term ancestry. But, but, you know, how does consciousness fit into dealing with these type of abusive relationships? Because we know it happens in the conscious community as well as it happens in the religious faith-based community. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, at the time, I was actually under the apostolic faith. So, but that was from my, the um, faith that was brought to me by way of my husband at the time. My mother actually was not of the church. She knew, I would say she was conscious. She just, there was not that term to back then as it was today. Um, I don't think she realized this, this um, I don't think she realized at the time. So what I say is there's definitely a difference. Um, I would say there were restrictions on me. I wanted to know about going to church. I wanted, probably because that was that rebellion. I wanted to know what she didn't want me to experience. She wanted me to stay away from for whatever reason or so. So um, I would say the the church, the consciousness, the thing, different things like that definitely has an influence on these circumstances as well as other aspects of our lives. So I would say to um, definitely know who you are and do not focus so much on what other people say to know things for yourself. And I actually, with that first relationship, I dove into the church, the apostolic faith, Um, There were some things I didn't yet understand I was not aware of. And one of them was be fruitful and multiply. So us having children, continue to have children with the things that were going on in the relationship. I was working on balancing the two. You know, I'm supposed to have kids with this man as my husband, but things in here just ain't right. How do I keep bringing children in here? And, you know, that they were that apostolic at the time where I was at was all against birth control. So that was not an option in my house to me. 
You know, I, there were certain things and submit to my husband, which is what I did, which was another reason that it lasted so long. So as I, as we know, and I would say there was so much information, there was so much to take in, as well as at the same time, I was growing myself into my womanhood. I was also managing my military career. So I had a lot going on, as we all do. We are all different. We all have the things that challenge us every day in life. Um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be quiet right now. Somebody gone because I can talk all day. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, you know, from what I can say, from what I said earlier, it seems that this abuse has become rampant in all conscious walks, whether it's a religious belief system, whether it's uh, uh, just a conscious or whatever you want to look at it. It seems like this abuse is rampant, but it seems to me like the solutions are the same. Mm -hmm. Are the solutions the same? Yes, the the solutions are the same. And it goes back to knowing you to knowing the strength that you had inside of you to be able to move forward. One of the things that I've realized is that when someone abuses someone else, the biggest thing that they're trying to instill in you is fear. Even if you take this virus that we're facing, that's a a form of abuse. Anything that comes to bring about fear is a form of abuse. So fear is there to get you to paralyze, to get you not to move forward on your dreams, your gifts, that God has put inside of you for you to give back to this earth, give back to humanity so we can have a better life here. But the things and adversity and abuse comes to stop all that. So if you can reach deep down inside and find that gift, find that strength to get you to just start taking that one step. I mean, just getting out the bed is a step forward in the right direction. Because you have some people that go through this abuse and they're so depressed they can't even get out of the bed in the morning. They don't even want to eat. They just they just there. They're just existing. So the first step is to get that movement going. Once you get that movement going, you can start now growing and little by little by little by little to really get it to really get the strength to move out of it. And so I think all the steps is the same. But how people get there is different. But how to get out of it is all the same. And it's remarkably to me or it's shocking to me how many more of these stories that you have, even in the community of people that are wealthy. I mean, some people feel like that this only happens to people that are unwealthy or in low income areas. No, the biggest rampant is in the wealthy community. And why? Because the women are in a lifestyle and they're scared to leave that lifestyle. But the abuser is controlling them because he has all the money and she has none of it. So any form of control, any form of fear is a sign of abuse. So Valerie, what's your uh, take on it? As far as he asked, was it all the same as far as getting out of it? Yes. Exactly. Yes, because I know we have people who come from different walks and I want to make sure that everyone can walk away from this realizing that there is hope, that there's a direction, there's guidance. So let's say, Sister Valerie, and you're a, you're a woman of faith, you're a believer, but you run against, you run into a sister who's involved with uh, Islam. And, you know, are you going to share with her and guide her in the same way? Do things change? How does, how does one's belief system affect how they can move? 
I'm so glad you asked that question. So it is, it relates to religion and the beliefs is about being culturally competent. So actually the journey would be different for an Islamic woman of faith. And in doing so, I would have to respect the Quran and what it shares there. So the Quran may most likely me knowing a little bit that I do will lead her back to her husband. The, they don't believe in mental health issues. So that would be a whole nother dynamic. You know what I'm saying? So I would take a different approach. I wouldn't be her therapist. I would be considered more like a mentor or, you know, a a friend. So respectfully, so according to the religion. So yes, religion plays a big part in the journey. And again, if nothing else you remember about me, trust the process. No matter what walks of life you come from, religion, race, creed, or color, because everyone has a different process in the journey. The process is the same, like Nakia said, but it's not the same as far as the spiritual, the the, the healing process is the same. So at the end of the day, every individual is different in how they go about the process. So yes, to answer your question, it's a twofold. It would be different for different religions, absolutely, with respect to that culture. Okay, so everything will be tailored, although the steps might be the, you know, the steps might be different colors. <laughs> yes, but they're That's still the same. Exactly the okay. Kudos. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I say, hey, we're looking at the last five minutes, last four minutes of our live. This one was a little different, sis. Don't let your fire go out, sis. Don't let your fire go out. This is Seiko Varner with. On Code, the Fly Guys show. We have Queen Phoenix. We have Sister Valerie. We have Memoirs of a Karmic Dynasty. And we've been talking about some of the challenges that our sisters in particular have faced with abuse and demeaning situations and some of the steps that can help them get out of those demeaning situations. Um, Last words. We're going to let Queen Phoenix have the last words so she can flame on. Um, Sister Joy Allen or Memoirs of a Karmic Dynasty. Last words. I would like to encourage everyone to take care of themselves first. I would like to encourage you to know yourself. Take time to know who you are. I would um, also like to share that that is important because you have to first know yourself before you can completely, in any responsible manner, help anyone else. And I would also like you to continue to be encouraged You can reach out to me. I will be available to speak with you um, or we can chat, text, however you like to communicate. Um, But reach out to someone, even if it's not me. If you need to speak to someone, please do so. And stay encouraged. All right. Stay encouraged. Be encouraged. Stay on code. Be on code. Sister Valerie, last words. Yes, sir. I would like to say in mime after Miss Joy, stay encouraged. Always look to your greater creator. Be prayerful, but know that you're not alone and you have a platform here. Reach out for these two phenomenal women as a con- as support and know that, again, you're not alone. And if you need therapy, they can reach out for me and I'll be more than happy to be there as well because it takes the village. Thank you. Ashe, Ashe, Queen Phoenix, 
becoming one of the most powerful sisters on this Fly Guys show platform on the OnCode platform. Sister, you've been saying some excellent things, some groundbreaking things, some uplifting things, some moving forward things, some, some getting out of bad situation things, some flame on things. Last yes. word. The only thing I want to say is time for us to flame up, ladies. Tap into what is on the inside of you and let that fire shine. Let it go brighter than bright. We have to be the light in our community. We have to be a light and statewide. But we're asking everyone to get a part of this Phoenix Rise Foundation movement Give donations, do whatever you can do to help support us because we just want to get the word out there. We want to let you know you're not alone. You're not by yourself. People are here to help you. If you are a family, a friend, and you're just saying, hey, my hands are tied. I just want to know how I can support, how I can help my friend. We can show you how to do it. We can give you some tools that you can use to actually help someone and be that support for them without judging or telling them, girl, if I was you, I'll leave. That's not what they need. So I'm just telling you guys, please reach out. We're here for you. Take care of yourself and flame on. Let's rise together. Wow, we're getting a lot of great feedback, a lot of great feedback. Man, Goddess Yemeya. Jimeya, she says, thank you, sisters. I appreciate y'all so much. All right. <laughs> Yo, Roxanne Wilson, she wanted to shout you out as well. I wanted to shout her out as well. She says, I love each one of you. Each one of you are a gem, and thank you. Um, wow. Wow, we've said some great things. I want to thank again my man Crumb from Crumb TV. Support Crumb. His cash app is dollar sign Crumb TV. Crumb is the mastermind behind the largest platform that the Fly Guys show on code gets a chance to live on. So we want to thank Crumb, cash sign, I mean dollar sign Crumb TV. Hey, uh, I dropped the dollar sign, the cash app code for the Phoenix Rise movement. So look back in the comments and you'll see that. Support the sister, support the movement. And if you see somebody in a bad situation, if you see somebody in a bad situation, family, we got to do better. We got to do better. Sisters, we're here for you. Sisters, we're here for you. We're here for you. And with that, I just want to say, everyone, be blessed. Do some great things. Flame on. Let's change this world. Get on code. Hashtag empowerment agenda. And let me talk about the empowerment agenda very quickly. The empowerment agenda is pretty simple. We're going to take our spiritual resources and we have an agenda that we're going to follow. So create your agenda and make sure your spiritual power is focused on your agenda. Make sure your financial power is focused on your agenda. Make sure your political power is focused on your agenda. And make sure your attention power is focused on your agenda. Code up, people. Time to get on code. Stay fly. 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 The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests, unless we say we agree, unless explicitly stated. Stay fly. Stay fly. Stay fly. Stay fly. Stay fly.
stay fly. Hey.